You're listening to the Growing Up Rock Podcast with your hosts, Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney. Baker, here, Harrison, yep, Hemsley, here, Hendricks, here, Pyle, Gomer Pyle. My name is Gunnery Sergeant Carter. You will do well to remember that because it's the only name that's going to matter to you from now on. Carter. Sergeant Carter, is that clear? Let me hear it. What's my name? Sergeant Carter. Sir. 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 Sergeant Carter, sir. Sergeant Carter, sir. I can't hear you. (laughs) Sergeant Carter, sir. I am your sergeant, your senior drill instructor, your mama and your papa. I will watch over you every minute. I will be your whole world from now on. Ain't he wonderful? You are going to try and become Marines. You're going to follow in the footsteps of men who have served from the halls of Montezuma to the shores of Tripoli. That's from the Marine film. I know all the words to it. Did you say something, Paul? I was just saying that's from the Marine film, and I know all the words to it. I really do. You do, huh? Uh-huh. Nelson's funeral parlor back home put out a calendar one year with the words on the back of it. That's how come I learned it. <laughs> well, that's just wonderful. Why don't you sing it? Sing it? Well, why not? Well, shoot, I ain't got much of a voice. Oh, go on. Well, if you'd really like it. Hey, just a minute. Uh, here's something that'll give a nice ring to your voice. <laughs> go on, pile. <laughs> sing it. From the halls of Montgomery, the shores of Tripoli, we fight our country's battle on the land and on the sea. This here's my favorite part. another episode of the grown-up rock podcast and this one's going to be interesting so first of all 
This is going to be our Veterans Day salute. We want to salute all those veterans out there. I have a lot of family members that are part of the armed forces. I never took part in the armed forces myself, but like I said, we got a lot of family members that are associated with it. So Sonny and I started talking, well, how are we going to do this? Are we going to do songs about war? We kind of did the whole war and peace thing. Are we going to do songs that have the word army or Marines in it? So we really didn't know how we wanted to do this episode. And then Sonny, being the ridiculous, crazy mathematical brain that he is, said, hey, Veterans Day this year is on 11-11-22. So there you go. We started working on centering the episode around that. And I said, well, it would be nice if we could have a veteran on to speak their piece, be it the Marines, the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, whatever it is. Do we know any veterans? And I didn't want to really have a family member on. I'd rather have like a musician or another podcaster or even a, an artist on to talk about it. And uh, we just didn't have any off the top of our head. And then Sonny goes, hey, isn't that crazy dude Alan Tate over at Ages of Rock podcast? Isn't he a veteran? I said, holy shit, he sure is. He talks crazy all the time about his armed forces experience. So by golly, we got him on the show. Our friend from the Ages of Rock podcast, Alan Tate. Alan, what's going on, baby? How you fellas doing? Thanks for having me on. That beard is crazy, dude. That beard is nuts. That is the best thing that I have ever done for myself in a physical sense. It's your first trip to the Grown Up Rock podcast, and you have graced us. And, and the listeners obviously can't see this because not a visual podcast, but we're doing this over a video chat. And Alan, in all his glory, has his beautiful gray Grizzly Adams-like beard flowing. It looks beautiful, brother. Thank you. Uh, well, I've been called Santa Claus, and my favorite beard-related nickname is ZZ Tate. <laughs> That's a good one, That's actually. Good. I like that a lot. Yeah. Uh, I've got four dogs, and uh, I'm all the time at the veterinarian's office, and one of the girls there started calling me ZZ Tate, and it just took off. <laughs> That's awesome. So, Alan, tell us about your armed forces experience. And first of all, thank you for serving. Thank you for uh, preserving our uh, freedoms. But tell us all about your uh, background as a veteran. Well, strangely enough, I graduated high school and I had gone to school to be an auto mechanic. And about four days after I graduated high school, I'd been living with my dad and my grandmother. And God rest her soul. She's the best advice I ever got in my life was get out of this town. There is nothing for here for you but drugs and trouble. So she talked me into joining the Air Force. So I left for the Air Force. I actually started basic training on my dad's 40th birthday. I did two years in Germany in a mobile radar unit, which I hated at the time because I didn't join the Army. I joined the Air Force. And here I am out deploying and camping in the cold and the wet and the snow and the mud. And then after that, I did four years of work in Colorado Springs at Peterson Air Force Base. And both of those assignments turned out to be really, really good assignments because I made a lot of friends, especially from Germany. I am still in contact with so many of those people from Germany. And even though I hated that assignment at the time, now as a much older human being, I truly appreciate that assignment. 
and that's yeah. a great experience for uh, somebody that's coming out of a small town and that's young, being able to experience a different culture and go over to Germany. I know my brother shared stories with me because he was stationed in Germany at one point in time. And so you got out and you were in the Air Force. What did you do? What was your job in the Air Force? I worked in communications and computers. Uh, basically, when I was in Germany in the mobile unit, I worked in a mobile telephone switching center. And I also worked in a teletype band, which was the precursor to the precursor of email. So I've always worked in some sort of technology in the military. And it turned out, you know, I could take that experience and knowledge to the outside world. And it has come in very handy for me. Yeah. And obviously to the listener, this time frame that we're speaking about was in what the seventies. Is that correct? Seventies or eighties? Seventies. God damn. I'm not that old. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry. It's the beard. <laughs> I'm thinking nineties maybe. <laughs> no, I, I joined the air force in the summer of 1988 and I was in from okay. 88 to 95. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> I thought technology was much more advanced by then. <laughs> well, it was much more advanced everywhere, but that mobile radar unit in Germany. And it's funny well, because some of that equipment in that unit was Vietnam War era equipment. As Sonny knows, I'm a little bit challenged when it comes to dates. <laughs> yeah. So, Alan, let me tell you my stupid Air Force story. So, I graduate from high school. I haven't turned 17 yet. I go. It's 1986, by the way. So oh, you're way older than me. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I've just seen Top Gun about, I don't know, 25 times already. So I go to the Air Force recruiter and I said, uh, I want to fly fighter jets like in Top Gun. Air Force recruiter says you got three problems. Number one, that's the Navy. Number two, you're too fucking big. And number three, <laughs> you ain't old enough. <laughs> you might want to go get a real job. I'm like, thank you, sir. And I left. <laughs> Well, what's funny is you watched Top Gun before you tried to go into the military. I watched Full Metal Jacket the night before I left for basic training. <laughs> Check out comedian Gary Owen. It's funny, too, looking back. Looking back at my life, I was thinking, like, like I, I joined the Navy, like, right after high school. And I was, I was thinking, why did I join the Navy? And I, I, remember, I remember all the reasons because, you know, I was a, listen, I was, I was a broke kid living in a trailer park in Southern Ohio. The military is looking at me like, we can get that motherfucker right there, you know? Because it was like my senior high school, there was about a week run where every day I came from school, there's a different recruiter at my trailer trying to get me to sign up, you know? And they just kept showing up, you know? Because I remember the Marine guy showed up first, the Marine recruiter. And I remember he got out of his car in front of my trailer, and I thought Marines had the best uniforms. When I saw him in that uniform, I said, damn, that motherfucker looks sweet. I told my mom, I'm going to join the Marines. Then he walked in my trailer. He was like, Gary, we are the few, the proud. I go, what's that mean? He goes, when shit pops off, we the first ones in. We the few. I was like, ooh, I better be part of the many. I'm good on that shit. <laughs> the hell are you trying to be first for? Shit, pace yourself. Slow down. Somebody trying to be first in the fight? You don't know what's popping off. You the first one to fight. Shit. Who's second or third? I'll join the third. I know one of the things that I've picked up on through some of your various stories over the years, Alan, is that you have some pretty good concert stories that you had while you were in the Air Force over in Germany, right? You saw some pretty cool concerts while you were there. Yeah, uh, I almost got trampled to death at an Alice Cooper concert. <laughs> that was the first time I ever saw Alice Cooper. It's when uh, 
Britney Fox had their first album out. So it was Britney Fox, Great White, and Alice Cooper. And we got to the show just in time to see them do the like the last chorus of Girls School and leave the stage. So I was really kind of disappointed that I missed that because I really liked that first album of theirs. And what's the process? Like, do you go to your commanding officer and says, there's a concert I'd like to go to? Like, isn't there some sort of process you have to follow? You know, in the Air Force, it really never was like that when I was in. I, I can't speak for what the protocols were for the Marines or the Navy or the, the Army. But, you know, unless we were going on a deployment, you know, you just go to buy a concert ticket. Just like, you know, you get off work, you go to show. Basically, my point of view, I guess you would call it, the Air Force is kind of like a corporation. You know, so you, you go in and you work your nine to five, you leave. Keep your nose clean when you're off duty. You're good. Mm-hmm. Did you live on the base there? I lived on the base in Germany for the first year and a half. And about the last six months that I was there, I did have an off-base apartment. Some other shows I saw over there, I went to Monsters of Rock with White Snake and Poison. I, I don't even remember who I was at that show. I saw Pink Cream 69 open up for White Lion in a club in Hanover, Germany. And the two most memorable things from that is I had food poisoning. I was sick as a dog. And Mike Tramp fell on stage and landed flat on his back and finished the song laying down. <laughs> and honestly, I was so sick. That's about all I remember of that show. I was hoping that you might have some secret stories, some governmental stories that you could share with us, but you'd have to kill Sonny first. <laughs> I can neither <laughs> confirm nor deny. <laughs> so do you have any crazy stories that you can uh, remember from your time in the armed forces? Anything nuts that you uh, that sticks out? I can neither confirm. No. <laughs> the only story that really sticks out is we were riding from the base to the radar site going to work one morning. And I don't know if someone threw a brick at the bus or if someone shot at the bus, but the windshield on the bus, the bus driver was driving. The windshield shattered, busted glass all over his face. He was all cut up and we had to stop and basically get another bus. Wow. But, you know, and that was honestly being the ignorant 19 year old that I was, I was oblivious to the fact that I was over there when all of the terrorism going on that I really didn't pay attention to. So things like that happened. I never thought anything of it. Everybody else was all freaked out. I'm like, oh, shit happens. Let's go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> One of the perks of being young, dumb and full of something. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it's all good. Uh, Sonny, you got anything else? Anything else you want to know about Alan's story? No, no. I'm just, uh, you know, just like Stephen said earlier, just appreciate you serving for the country. And I'll say the same thing for any listener that served. Like, you know, you hear all kinds of crazy stuff about the government here, blah, blah, blah. They another country I'm living in, period. Like when people were thinking about, depending on who's president, they're moving to Canada. I'm like, move. None of them son of bitches moved. None of those son of oh, bitches moved. Exactly. Hell full of hot air. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, I, my opinion being a veteran or whatever, and I, I don't even know, I don't really like to talk politics all that much, but one of the freedoms that we fight for is freedom of speech. Yeah. And if somebody wants to burn a flag, that's their right. That is freedom of speech. Now, freedom of speech does not necessarily mean freedom of consequences. Some of them might whoop your ass for burning that flag, but I'm not going to say a word to you for doing that. Say what you want. Speak your mind. Yeah. But no, I just appreciate anybody who served because uh, there's just sacrifices made that I'll just never understand because I never was brave enough to do it, to be honest. Even if I was old enough, when that Air Force crew goes, oh, you sign right here. Don't worry. That was the Navy. We'll get you in some slow bomber or something. You could just jump out of a plane. I still wouldn't have done it. I, I didn't have the guts to do it. 
Yeah. So once again, I think this episode coming up is going to contain a little bit of everything. We're going to have a little bit of conversation from listeners who chimed in on various song rankings. Uh, We're going to talk to Alan some more, but ultimately this episode is a complete tribute to those men and women serving in the armed forces, both past and present. We do appreciate each and every one of you guys, and we do truly understand the meaning of Veterans Day. So we hope you enjoy this episode. But before we go any further, as we like to do here at the Grown Up Rock Podcast, we like to crank it up. It's time for the Crank It Up New Music Spotlight. All right. So tonight's Crank It Up New Music Spotlight comes to us from Autograph. So Autograph pretty much is without any original members at this point. Randy Rand sadly passed away earlier this year. The band was working on a new album. That album recently was completed and is about to be put out on Frontiers Records. Simon Daniels, who's been with the band for a while, and guitarist Jimmy Bell, bassist Randy Rand at the time, recorded on it, and drummer Mark Whelan. The record is going to be out any day now. So we are going to play a song, the first single off the record called This Ain't the Place I Want to Be. Check it out. We'll come back and we'll talk about it in a minute.
Okay, so you guys have heard this whole two truths and a lie. I'm going to do two goods and a meh. All right, so <laughs> I watched the video, listened to the song at the same time. I actually really liked that they didn't replace a bass player in the video. The live shots kind of they were doing, it was just basically the three of them without Randy. And then it was obviously a tribute to Randy because as they were in the bar, Randy's pictures going in and out. I thought that was pretty cool. The other part, Jimmy Bell did a great guitar solo. So that's the two goods. The meh is the actual song. Alan, I didn't actually love that song. Did you like it? (laughs) You know, I don't listen to the lyrics. I just kind of listen to the music and the music itself. I didn't have a problem with. But, you know, listening to the vocals, it was obvious that wasn't the singer. Of course, I don't know enough about Autograph to tell you who's in the band. Well, Simon Daniels has been with the band for a while now. So he's sang on the last two records I know that they've released. I guess my issue is, so I get that you were in the middle of recording this record. You finished up the record. Bass player passes away. The bass player is the one lone original guy in the band. And you want to see out the cycle of this record. So you want to support the record, you want to promote the record, you want to go on the road and play some shows. They're playing Monsters of Rock in April. I guess my question is to you guys, should they basically retire the name, call it quits at this point, or should they continue? Because for me personally, and I've never been the hugest autograph fan, but I like a handful of songs. I mean, how do you call yourself autograph and tour with zero original guys in the band at all. I mean, at least Quiet Riot bought back Rudy, so that's something. My guess is that maybe Randy's wife, maybe she owns the name and can get paid based on what they put out in the shows. I don't know. How do you feel about it, Alan? Maybe they should change their name to Mimeograph. (laughs) How about you, Sonny? What do you think? Think they should retire after they make this run? You know, we have this conversation a lot about the brand name. The brand name is worth something. I think it would be nice if they come out and say, hey, just want to let you know we've got Randy's wife's blessing. Part of the proceeds are going towards Randy's family and we're going to finish out this tour and that'll be the end of autograph, right? But I don't think you can be at 2025 doing autograph without any autograph members because at that point, I don't know. I wasn't into autograph a ton anyway. So, I mean, these guys selling out clubs. There's no way they're selling out clubs. So they got to be opening for somebody, which means what? They're making a couple of grand a night. Like, I can't imagine they're making much money off this. They're still playing clubs. They're still doing club dates and, and getting paid like a lot of those bands that are doing it. But And guys like Steve Lynch and Plunkett, I think, is the singer's name. They're both still alive. I mean, Steve Lynch, he only recently left like as of maybe five years ago, I guess. That's not that recent, but he left about five years ago. Jimmy Bell took over, but they're still alive. Do they not have a say? Do they not want to do it? And that's why, you know, I don't know. It's just kind of weird to me. I don't know. But the material, I thought that there was some good stuff on the last autograph record that came out. I've seen some good reviews on this record that's about to come out. So, you know, I guess if the fans speak with their wallet, if they like it, they like it, right? Yeah. How how many original members are left in Queensryche? Two or three? Two. Michael Wilton and uh, Eddie Jackson are the two original guys in Queensryche. But only Rudy over at Quiet Riot. So anyway, that's it. Let's get on with the show. Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. 
So we are going to go with the whole military veterans type thing and then a combination of this 11, 11, 22, because you know we love numbers around here. One of the first ideas that we had thrown around for Veterans Day was to do songs by artists who were veterans. So I had done a little bit of research, but these 14... I'm not in love with most of the music these 14 put out. So we we kind of blew away that idea immediately. But since I did the research, I figure I share, just in case you don't know, some of the musicians who served in the military. So let's start with Jerry Garcia, enlisted in the Army in 60 after dropping out of high school. He lasted nine months before receiving a general discharge for essentially being the complete opposite of a soldier. What exactly does that mean? That sounds made up. <laughs> They're saying he's a hippie. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, Johnny Cash, right? Served in the Air Force. I knew Johnny Cash was in the Air Force. Yeah. 50 to 54. West Germany, by the way. He was a Morse code operator, and he was charged with intercepting Russian communications. He caught the first wire transmission that said Stalin was dead. I had no idea about that. B.B. King enlisted in the Army in 43 during World War II, but was allowed a discharge because he drove a tractor back home, which was considered a central occupation in the home front war effort. So you drive a tractor in 43, you don't got to go to World War II? Shit, I would have picked up a tractor. Somebody has to work the fields. Got to feed those people that are making the bullets and the Army tanks and airplanes. Uh, Elvis Presley, we all know about the couple of years he spent in the armed forces. There's plenty of documentaries. Go check them out. Uh, Fred Durst from Limp Bizkit joined the Navy at age 18. Really? But some say he washed out of boot camp, and some say he served two years. I think it depends on how drunk Fred is on what story he's telling. (laughs) (laughs) Maynard James Keenan from Tool served for three years. It doesn't say where. I don't know why. I'm pretty sure he was in the Army. Was he in the army? Okay. I think I think that's what I heard. So this one's very interesting, uh, and it doesn't surprise me. John Fogarty received a draft letter from the army in 66, went to the recruiter to sign up as a desk clerk. The recruiter backdated his enlistment to before the letter, so he was discharged in 68. Now, that sounds a little shady, but we know how many times Fogarty's been sued, so I think shady kind of just goes in this guy's business stuff. I don't know, but... <laughs> Phil Labonte, you might not know who that is. That's the lead singer for All That Remains. Joined the Marines in 93, headed to infantry training, and then injured his ankle. So he got a discharge. Ray Manzarek from The Doors uh, joined the Army Signal Corps and then was in Okinawa and then Laos. Ice-T went straight from Crenshaw High School to the Army in 79 and served four years. I didn't know that. I did not know that. Speaking of Ice-T, I saw Body Count at Louder Than Life, and it was my favorite part of the whole concert. Wow. Wow. That's cool. I think Ice-T may have even been in Special Forces. When you said that, I do remember reading an article about his time in the Armed Forces. And for some reason, I want to say that he was in the Special Forces, but I can't be 100% on that. Jimi Hendrix, we know he got either Army or jail. So we know those stories. (laughs) MC Hammer uh, was a petty officer, third class aviation storekeeper in the Navy Uh at Moffett Field in Mountain View, served three years. Jason Everman. So you might not know who this guy is. He was in Nirvana for a while and he was in Soundgarden for a while. Get this. He was an army ranger, a green beret, served tours in Iraq and Afghanistan, and he served from 94 to 2006. Wow. And the best story of them all I saved till the end. Johnny Paycheck, high school dropout, joins the Navy, was court-martialed in 56 for belting a superior officer and served two years in the brig. 
Is that where take this job and shove it come from? Uh, I'm thinking so. <laughs> That's original outlaw shit there, buddy. <laughs> yeah. All right. So going with the number 11, uh, musicians born on 11-11. Maybe you didn't know this, but Mutt Lang was born on 11-11, 48. Uh, Jim Petrick was born in 1950 on 11-11. Celebrities, Barbara Boxer, <laughs> Callista Flockhart, if you don't know her, Demi Moore, Leonardo DiCaprio, born on 11-11, uh, Stanley Tucci, born on 11-11. Uh, marriages on 11-11. James Garfield, our 20th president, was married in 1858. B.B. King married his first wife in 1944 on 11-11. David Foster was married in 11-11-11 because he was married in 2011. He did that shit on purpose. You know that. <laughs> and then Paris Hilton married some dude who basically owns the rest of the world that her dad doesn't own, married him last year on 11-11. I don't know if they're still married. Who knows? She's trying to figure out how long she has to stay married before she can have half of his shit, too. And there you go. So then she owns half of all of it, right? Right. All right. Record release is on 11-11. And uh, can we signal the release police? Because I'm sure I'll get some feedback. <laughs> but supposedly Rock and Roll Over was released on 11-11. 76. I don't know if that's true or not. You are brave bringing up any Kiss album's release date because you know someone's going to correct you. Come on, release police. Bring it, bitch. 11, 11, 11, 85. I'm proud to say I do not own this record. The Chronicle of the Black Sword by Hawkwind. And then on 11, 11, 91, Wall of Hits by Slade. I didn't know they had a Wall of Hits. I thought they had one hit. They had two, I think. Oh, they had two hits? Oh, shit, I don't know. On 11-11-2011, when David Foster got married, so 11-11-11, the number one song on the Billboard 100 was We Found Love by Rihanna featuring Calvin Harris. Never heard that shit. The number one album on 11-11-11 was Milo Zyloto by Coldplay. And I've heard Coldplay, and I would never want to hear that album. <laughs> Is that their answer to Zenyatta Mandata? I have no idea. <laughs> I can't pronounce either one of them. It doesn't sound that good, I bet. And then some history on 11-11. So 11-11-26, U.S. Route 66 was established, if you didn't know that. And then 11-11-54 is when Veterans Day was declared a national holiday. So since we were talking 11 and it's on 11-11, of course, we went out to the listeners and I had them rank 11 songs. So figured we'd talk about the 11 songs. Over 100 folks sent in their ratings, by the way. One of us was late. Yeah, I know. Even though I made it due on the 11th. So Alan goes, well, I thought I had till Veterans Day to do it. I'm like, if we record and it releases on Veterans Day, how do you have till Veterans Day to do your rankings? Well, Sonny, you have known me long enough to know that I don't always pay attention. <laughs> That's right. We're good. We ain't that damn good. <laughs> yeah. So here's the, what, the note that I sent out. I said, hello, all. We're doing a unique episode in November. Need your help. It's simple. Just tell us what songs you like best by ranking the following 11 songs. You can send your ranking however you want, Facebook response, email, messenger, text, pigeon, whatever. If you need to give the songs a quick listen, here's a playlist, and I put in a playlist there for them. The 11 songs were Born to Be My Baby by Bon Jovi, Call It What You Want by Tesla, Don't Go Away Mad, Just Go Away by Motley Crue, Free Will Burning by Judas Priest, Love Ain't No Stranger by Whitesnake, November Rain by Guns N' Roses, Rhythm of Love by Scorpions, Ride the Wind by Poison, Too High to Fly by Dawkin, Too Late for Love, Def Leppard, Whole Lotta Rosie, ACDC. And I start getting comments back saying, these aren't their best songs. Why do you want to do these 11? And I'm like, there's another tie to 11. 
then I would get, these aren't even their 11th songs. Why would, this wasn't their 11th track. I'm like, no, there's a different tie. I guarantee to any listener that thinks they got it figured out, you ain't got it figured out because I'm nuts. So here is the tie. This song was the band's or artist's 11th single that charted somewhere in the world. (laughs) That's it. So now you go do it, go do the research, and you guys will be amazed. Oh, my God. Sonny didn't count this song didn't because they didn't chart. Yes. Yes, I'm stupid. And yes, I have that kind of brain in time. So that's what... (laughs) That's what the connections are, and we're going to talk about some other connections to the number 11 as we go through the song. So, let's start the rankings. So, the 11th rank, and I would say by a country mile, was also Alan's 11th. It was Steven's 9th, and I ranked it actually number 5, but it had an average of an 8.28 rank out of 11, and 24% of everybody who filled out the survey had it at number 11 and that is Too High to Fly by Dawkins. <laughs> um, all right. So, by the way, if you don't know, Dawkins also only released 11 studio albums so far. They got a guitarist that has an 11-letter name, George Lynch, by the way. Scott Gull said something pretty much everybody felt. Love Dawkins, but hate this album. That was pretty <laughs> much how everybody felt. Two people had it as their number one. Righty and John Lamoureux. Of all the people, these two people had this song number one. Song topped out at number 29 on the mainstream rock charts, just in case you wanted to know. And if you really want to get stupid with it, Dysfunctional topped out at number 47 on the Billboard 200, and 4 plus 7 is 11. Alan, <laughs> what do you think about this song? I did not know this song. You didn't know this song? It was a single. It doesn't matter if it was a single. I'm not a big Dawkins fan. Oh, I didn't know that. I like early, early Dawkins, you know, the first two or three albums, and after that, they fell off my radar, you know. And you didn't like it the minute you heard it, or you just heard it going, eh, too long? Eh, didn't care for it. Wow. Uh, Steven, you ranked it at nine. You didn't love it amongst these songs either? I like this song. I think it is too long, but I will say that I think Dysfunctional is probably a really sort of underrated record. I mean, it's not a perfect record, and it's definitely a little different than most docking stuff, but it's not a bad record. There's some good stuff on that record. Our sons and we sold our daughters Pretty soon we'll sell our brothers We took the gold but the gold was water I tried to save the world but I failed I'm just 
Moving to number 10, which Alan had at his number seven, Stephen had at number four. I had it dead last, along with 11% of the listeners, by the way, who also had it dead last, and that is Ride the Wind by Poison. Okay, so first of all, Ride the Wind, the only 11-letter title song on this list, if you didn't notice that, has a keyboard player, John Webster, playing on the song, 11 letters. This song is so bad. Some people that sent in their rankings only ranked 10 songs and left this song off the list, which is awesome. Poison was super hot at the time, if you remember. Flesh and Blood was number two on the Billboard 200. Thank you, MC Hammer, because otherwise we'd have to say Poison had a number one record. Thank you, MC Hammer. Three people had this song at number one. Bill Elam, Scott Gull, Jeff Trott. And if you want to get stupid with it, this song topped out at 38 on the Billboard 100, which three plus eight, again, is 11. So, Alan, <laughs> I know you know this song. <laughs> and I know. I know I get stupid with it. It's just how it goes. Oh, I love it. This is great. <laughs> well, Poison is a fun party band, and I'm a fun party guy. So, you know, I've dug their first three albums. There wasn't anything on their first three albums I didn't like, but I was young and dumb and full of party. <laughs> <laughs> Steven, there's no way on any list I would rank any Poison song over any Dawkins song. I'm sorry. This song is feel-good song. It's great. I mean, how can you not roll the windows down and put the top down on a summer day and ride with this song cranked up? I mean, I don't even know what's to hate about this song. It's a great riff. It's about riding a motorcycle. I mean, there's nothing to hate on with this song. I don't get the the hate. You know, it's not my favorite song on this list, but it's definitely, what'd you say? I ranked it number four, so yeah, I like it for sure. I wonder if all of the people who ranked it dead last were the same ones that looked at the very first album we can cover and said, I'd do her. <laughs> yeah, maybe. All right. So like I said, Too High to Fly was at 8.28 on average. Ride the Wind was a 7.18 on average. The next five songs are all within three quarters of a point. That's how close the rankings were on the next five. So at number nine, Alan had it at number four. Steven had it at eight. I had it at six. The average rank was 6.85. A whopping one person ranked at number one, Brian Knapp on an island by himself, Rhythm of Love, Scorpions. And I get it. This is after good Scorpions, I guess most people would say, by the time they get the Savage Amusement, maybe a little hair medley or too ballady or whatever. Ray Farrell <laughs> explained this song in one word. He just wrote terrible and moved on. <laughs> But this song topped out at number 75 on the Billboard 100. So, Alan, Germany, gotta love the Scorpions, right? I forgot one of my top stories from Germany. My first celebrity encounter was in Hanover at a Schützenfest. We ran into Klaus Mine on the street. And if you look in my Facebook photos, you'll find that picture of me and him together. 
not that that influenced that me liking that song. <laughs> Otherwise, it would have been number one. <laughs> so I dig that song. That was that. I'm the hair metal guy. I'm the pop rock yeah. guy. You know, so that's right up my alley. And Stephen, I get it. It's not love at first thing, but. Scorpions had to change with the time. I mean, they weren't the same in 68. No, they weren't the same in 89. So what? Man, that, that early Scorpion stuff was like a bunch of hippy-dippy. We yeah. A lot of something. Tough <laughs> listen. Yeah, for me, my bang zone of Scorpions is, uh, you know, Love Drive, Love It First Sting, uh, Blackout. That place right there is kind of my favorite Scorpions. But uh, I don't hate on this song. I mean, I like the song. It's just I like some of the other stuff a little bit further uh, ahead of it. Probably nailed it, Sonny, which is this song came a little bit after that bang zone of Scorpions for me. And uh, I don't particularly love this album, but this is one of the songs that I do like off of it. Our number eight song, which all three of us collectively ranked this song, I would say poorly, but not the worst. Actually, the number seven song, we ranked the worst together. But Alan had it at eight. Both Steven and I had it at 10. The average rank was six, 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 which should tell you something. And Paul Racine, Frank Azalone, I think how you say it, Corey Nowlin, and Daniel Peoples all had this as their number one song, Don't Go Away Mad, Just Go Away by Motley Crue. I got to tell you, when I see Vince playing guitar live when they do the song, first of all, it makes me cringe. <laughs> this song is so bad that some people didn't rank Poison. Some people didn't rank this and only sent in 10 songs. When it's all said and done, the album had 11 tracks, exactly 11 listeners ranked this song number 11. <sighs> you got love for Crue, Alan? Yes, I do. That's Dr. Feelgood, as much as I like this album, don't go away mad without you. And there's another one on there that's just too slow for my taste. That's when Motley Crue started falling off of my, as Stephen puts it, bang zone. Because, you know, my bang zone for Motley Crue is Shout at the Devil Theater of Pain and Girls, Girls, Girls. I do like Too Fast for Love. That is a great album as well. But those three are my bang zone. Dr. Feelgood, it starts going downhill, you know. And then I like the John Karabi era stuff, even though it should be called something other than Motley Crue. I think that was a death sentence for that band. Uh, yeah, I'm not a fan of Don't Go Away, Matt. Steven, does Vince make you cringe when he grabs that guitar live? It just, I'm just like, dude, what are you doing? 
I don't pay too much attention to that, but I will say that my bang zone for Motley Crue is spotty at best. <laughs> so I like I like Too Fast for Love, Shout at the Devil. You know, I like some stuff on Girls, Girls, Girls. I like very little on Theater of Pain. Uh, I love Motley 94, and I, I like the Dr. Feelgood record. But this song, I mean, look, I wonder sometimes whether people are ranking the band versus the song and they see Motley Crue and they're like, this is my number one. You know, it's kind of like, I don't know. How do you rank? Don't go away mad above any of the stuff really on this list. Give me a break. That song is not great. It's not my last ranked song, but it is not one of my favorites. No, thanks. Oh, shiites. What the fuck is that? It's the record we've been listening to and enjoying, Barry. Well, that's unfortunate because it sucks ass. And then at number seven, we collectively were brutal to this song. The average was 6.38. Alan had it at 10. Steven had it at 11. I had it at nine. And we have dubbed this band the most overrated band in history. Guns and Roses, November Rain, and Alan's got it, that stupid shirt on. Aaron Martell... And then Star Podlog, Star Pod Trek Podcast were the only two to rank at number one. The only question I got for them is why. The song topped out at number three on Billboard 100, which just wants me to stab myself. But you got two 11-letter artists involved in the song. McKagan, Duff McKagan, and Shannon Hoon, if you don't remember. I'm not in love with November Rain. Alan, aren't you sick of this song? I was sick of this song the second time I saw the video. <laughs> So Slash didn't do it for you out in the wilderness? No. You know, I get what Axel was going for, but seriously, though, you take Guns N' Roses and you go from Appetite to Destruction, which is my all-time favorite album. Call them overrated all you want. I don't care. You know, but you go from Appetite from Destruction to Guns N' Roses Lies and then Use Your Illusions 1 and 2, which they could have just taken about half of that and made Use Your Illusions and left the other on the cutting room floor. Yeah. You know, it's just November rain. It's not a bad song, but it's too long. It's an epic song and ain't nobody got time for that. Yeah, Stephen, we've talked about GNR a lot. Alan kind of nailed it for me. I feel the same way. That's why the two last ranked songs for me, Motley with Don't Go Away Mad. Motley's a down and dirty shout at the devil band. They're putting out Don't Go Away Mad. No thanks. And then Guns N' Roses, like he said, they go from Appetite for Destruction to November Rain. And it's kind of like it's long. It's slow. I will say the Slash solo is really good. I mean, the guitar solo in the song is amazing. And like Alan said, I agree. It's a good song it's just not what i want to hear from guns and roses i mean if you give me a choice of you know brownstone or november rain or you could be mine or november rain it's like take the heavy shit all day long to all of our veterans we here at growing up rock headquarters are sincerely grateful for your service and sacrifice thank you for your service since words are not enough to express the gratitude we hold in our hearts for our veterans steven will give you a big hug the next time he sees you at number six, proving that we don't have enough female listeners. Alan had it at number three. Steven had it at six. I had it at two. The average rank was a 6.32. The average rank was lower than our lowest rank. And that's because 13% of the people had this at number 11. Born to be my baby by Bon Jovi. I cannot believe it. And then another amazing thing happened. So four people had this thing ranked number one. Jonathan Scott, Mark Volmering. Okay. But then Mark and Tony Musalem, who are brothers that agree on absolutely nothing. I've known them most of my life. 
both had this at number one, which is amazing to me. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. And of course, Alan, this single was released in November, which is, well, the 11th month. By the way, November Rain was also the 11th month, just in case you missed that. Alan, Born to Be My Baby, great song, right? Yeah, I love that whole album. New Jersey is my favorite Bon Jovi album. Oh, I like Slippery better, but I get what you're saying, though. Uh, Steven? I think people that ranked at number 11 maybe are tainted by what Bon Jovi has become today. I mean, because Bon Jovi, you know, people almost cringe when Bon Jovi's bought up today, uh, especially the people from our community, the rockers, right? But Born to Be My Baby is a classic song that there's really nothing to hate on. There are other Bon Jovi songs that I like a whole lot better that are rocking, but in terms of a rock song that has that perfect, you know, hook and melody and vibe and uh, all the na-na-nas and all that other shit, this is a great, well-written song. And yeah, I like the song. Let me jump back in. You talk about people cringing about hearing Bon Jovi nowadays. Laura and I went and saw Bon Jovi in, I think it was in Nashville in 2018. And that's the only time I ever saw Bon Jovi in concert. Wow. And she saw Bon Jovi, I think, on the Slippery When Wet tour. I know she saw him on the New Jersey tour. And she was just like, we were so excited. And she was just like, this is God awful. <laughs> it, was, it was, I mean, I thought he had bronchitis or something. It was just having a bad night, you know. But here we are now in 2022 and people are still talking about how bad it is. Yeah. And I think it just, you know, we've had a lot of artists say it and we've heard it. Dude, it's hard to do what you did in your 20s and early 30s. It's just hard. And John put some of those songs in a place. You just can't sing them like that forever. So either you give up or you stop doing those songs and do different songs. Or I guess you go do your best because people want to hear the song no matter how they sound. Or you get help and get, you know, trounced on like Paul Stanley. So I don't, there's just not a lot of choices. My name is Gunnery Sergeant Highway. And I've drunk more beer and pissed more blood and banged more quiff than all you numbnuts put together. Now, Major Powers has put me in charge of this recon platoon. We take care of ourselves. You couldn't take care of a wet dream. Start acting like Marines right now. Who invited you? I'm not doing this because I want to take long showers with you assholes. And I don't want to get my head shot off in some faraway land because you don't habla, comprende? Rah! You? Yes, Gunny. I'm here to tell you all that life as you know it has ended. You might as well all go to town tonight. You might as well laugh and make fools of yourself. Rub your pathetic little peckers up against your honey or, or stick in the knot holding the fence. But whatever it is, get rid of it because at 0600 tomorrow, your ass is mine. I got a lot of comments when the listeners filled out the survey, but I had to share this one because I don't quite agree, but it was the best comment I got. George Blandran says, number one ACDC, two Motley Crue, three Scorpions, four Guns N' Roses. Dude, I have never heard those other songs on your list, and I would prefer that it remain that way. <laughs> he didn't bother listening to the other sevens. <laughs> wow. Okay. So our number five is very interesting. Similar to our number six, where our lowest ranked was higher than the average. On the number five ranked song, which averaged a 6.07, the average is higher than any of our rankings. Which Alan had at nine and Steven and me both had at seven. And that is call it what you want by Tesla. People love Tesla no matter what. I'm surprised. We had people like Steve Skoblicki. I think that's how you say it. Ivan Gale Sick, Gordon Enright. They all had the song uh, dead last. 
If you didn't know, Tommy Skeo and Frank Hannon, both 11 letters long, by the way. Alan, I'm assuming you are just in love with Tesla. Is that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tesla's an all right band. Some of these songs, you know, they all kind of like tie for fourth or fifth place, you know. You've got to rank them somewhere. How do you pick? Now, there are other Tesla songs that if you had put in that list, they'd be number 11. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> Edison's Medicine, maybe? I don't even mind that song so much. But some of those songs, good Lord. I just, I don't know. I shouldn't be too critical. <laughs> <laughs> Steven, you didn't give it a killer ranking. You love Tesla. I do love Tesla, and I don't mind this song. But uh, in terms of Tesla songs, right, they have way far better songs, especially off of Psychotic Supper, I think. I'm in love with the lady, and I know the lady's in love with me. And she knows that I'll always be there. That's why she's willing to me. But now I'm So, going to the top four, our fourth-ranked song, Alan had it at six, Steven had it at two, I had it at eight, the average rank was 5.04, two people had it dead last, one of those people were Zeus, and that is Free Wheel Burning by Judas Priest. So, 17% of the listeners had this song ranked number one, guitar solo by Glenn Tipton, 11 letters long, drums are by Dave Holland, 11 letters long. That whole skibbity-bibble in the middle, I call it a skibbity-bibble, where he's got too many lyrics, just in case you didn't know what the lyrics said, I wrote them down. (laughs) Look before you leap has never been the way we keep. Our road is free. Charging to the top and never give in never stops the way to be. Hold on to the lead with all your will and concede. You'll find there's life with victory on high. That's what he says in that skibbity-bibble. Alan, I'm just thinking, why don't you just lose about 90% of the weight of that and say whatever, but you don't have to, like, rap it. <laughs> this is one of those songs that I couldn't tell you the lyric if my life depended on it, but I do like the music of this song a great deal. And Stephen Priest is cool, but come on, dude. That, there's just too many lyrics in there. Dude, I ain't singing them. What do I care how many lyrics there are? <laughs> dude, fire up them guitars. That's a twin guitar attack, baby. Free wheel burning, man. That's a classic tune to kick off the Defenders of the Faith record. Come on, baby. Get it Which up. Is, this is, by the way, my favorite Judas Priest album. No. No, it's not, not my favorite either, but it is a great one, and it is part of my bang zone of uh, Priest for sure. Well, it was my introduction to Judas Priest, to be fair.
top three and our collective best, which both Alan and Steven had it at number one. I had it at four. The average rank was four, seven, seven. It had the most amount of number ones at 22%, by the way. And that is whole lot of Rosie by ACDC. No, not everybody had this at number one. I believe that the number one song that one should have won. Thank God. Uh, this is off the four studio. album let there be the rock. It charted on Dutch charts. If you care. And of course, it had George Young as a co-producer, which is 11 letters. See, Alan, you're in love with this song, obviously. Well, she's got no manners and she's not too clean. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure your wife is glad to hear that. <laughs> what, what, can, what can you say about a song about banging a patchet? <laughs> it's a great song. It's a fun song. It's a fast-paced song. And it's not an 11-minute epic song like November Rain. Steven, there's a story that they're walking out of the pub and some girl says, hey, Bond, and Bond turned around and depending on who you believe, she was somewhere between 260 and 350 and he went and had drinks with her and then the next morning woke up next to her. Supposedly is how the story runs. Look, this song is absolute classic Bond Scott. How do you not love this song? 42, 39, 56, baby. You can say she had it all. I'm telling you what, I think I actually probably prefer the uh, version on 
uh, If You Want Blood, the live version of it. But this song is a classic, classic ACDC. And and uh, there's nothing to hate on about this. And if somebody was going to ask me about Bon Scott and what's the difference in Bon and Brian, uh, it's really in the lyrics. And, and a song like this really kind of captures that perfect Bon Scott innuendo lyric writing, you know. Totally agree. Won't tell your story about a woman I know. I come loving. The show. She ain't exactly pretty, ain't exactly small. Four, two, third, nine, fifty-six. You can see she got it. Oh, 
right. Our number two song. Alan had it at two. Steven had it at three. I had it at three. We pretty much agreed on this. Average rank was 4.34. The only song that got zero last rankings, Too Late for Love, Def Leppard. That probably does not surprise us that it got no number 11s because you're talking about the bang zone of when everybody loves Def Leppard, right, Alan? Absolutely. Um, your favorite song on Pyromania, is it Too Late for Love? No. My favorite song on Pyromania is my favorite Def Leppard song, Photograph. Oh, there you go. Okay. Steven, we've talked about, obviously, Too Late for Love before. You surprised us at number two? No, not at all. I mean, we've t- <laughs> this is the year of Def Leppard on the Grown Up Rock podcast, so we've talked about Def Leppard uh, ad nauseum. I think uh, one of the things that resonates with Too Late for Love with a lot of our community and a lot of listeners is it's not burned out like Foolin' or Rock of Ages or something like that, right? Not that those songs are bad. It's just not burned out. And Too Late for Love, to me, doesn't get talked about that much on Pyromania, which, by the way, is a Desert Island record. So it's a perfect record, but that song is really, that's a gem. What's your sole purpose in this army? To do whatever you tell me, drill sergeant. God damn it, Gump. You're a goddamn genius. That's the most outstanding answer I've ever heard. You must have a goddamn IQ of 160. You are goddamn gifted, Private Gump. And that leaves us at our number one. Alan and Stephen both had it at number five. I had it at number one. It was the collective bonafide number one at 3.82 rank. And Jonathan Scott, I love you, but you were the only listener that ranked this number 11. Oh, Jonathan, come on, dude. <laughs> love Ain't No Stranger by Whitesnake. How could you make it number 11? That's, oh. Song topped out at 44 in the UK, 33 on the US mainstream rock chart. Slide it in, by the way, as an album, number 11 in Norway. That's where it topped out at. Alan, your love for Whitesnake and Love Ain't No Stranger. It's British blues rock, but by God, it's as American as you can get it. Yeah, I agree with that. And Stephen, like when you listen to the UK mix and you listen to the US mix, dude, it's really different. I'm glad we got a US mix. Right. Yeah. How do you not love this song? That song is Bonafide Coverdale Sykes, man. That is a good tune, man. Especially one that starts out really slow and bluesy and has that nice uh, Hammond organ and Coverdale's voice. And when it kicks in, it kicks in with all the glory. And I freaking love it. You wanted us best, but you got the best! The hottest band in the world! Kiss! It's time for your historic moment on Growing Up Rock. For the historic moment, this Kiss song topped out at number 61 on the Billboard 100, got to number 41 in Canada, was Kiss's 11th charting single, with a bass player that has 11 letters in their name, Gene Simmons, with a singer that has 11 letters in their name, Paul Stanley, with a producer who has 11 letters in their name, Eddie Kramer, and that song was, yeah, love, gun!
How many letters are in lick my love pump? <laughs> Not 11. Let's put it that way. <laughs> That's the sister song to this one. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> love gun is in my top five kiss songs of all times. Can anybody guess what my number one is? Million to one. Calling Dr. Love. Calling Dr. Love and Parasite kind of fight for the top spot, but Love Gun, the guy's writing a song about his ding-dong. Come on. <laughs> All of your top five are before 79, basically? Pretty much. <laughs> Big surprise. <laughs> are, you, are you burned on it at all? No, not really. I, I don't go out of my way to listen to it, but if it comes on, I typically don't turn it off. Love Gun's one of those songs, though, if the backing vocals aren't right, oh, it sounds a little rough. Real rough. Did anybody yeah. see the uh, video footage of when Paul got stuck on the, the little thing going out to the stage in the middle and Gene tried to sing it, didn't know the words? Oh, what? <laughs> he doesn't know the words to his own songs. Why would he want to know the words to Paul's songs? Yeah. <laughs> would never need to know them, never going to sing it. So what's the difference? That's right. I get it. That's hilarious. Yeah. I mean, hey, it's Kiss. It's classic Kiss, right? All right. So there you go. 11, 11. 22 in the books. <laughs> Happy Veterans Day, everyone. Happy Veterans Day. Once again, thank you, thank you, thank you from all of us here at the Grown Up Rock Podcast to all those men and women that have served past and present throughout our armed forces. Thank you, Alan Tate, for coming on the podcast, sharing your veteran story and sharing your rankings and not liking docking. I don't know what's up with that. <laughs> what the hell? Uh, so listen, before we get out of here, you got a lot of stuff going on in the podcast radio world. So pimp some of this stuff. You're on the Ages of Rock podcast, and then you also have an internet radio thing going on, right? Right. You can find Ages of Rock podcast at agesofrock.com. I'm also co-owner of A to Z Radio, the internet's biggest variety of rock, pop, and country music with Speedway, Jeff Humphrey, and Lil Willie, Bill Elam. And you can find us there at A to Z radio.net. So tell me, I got a question for you because truly this is just out of curiosity. Tell me what the attraction is for internet radio, because I know you've done this venture now more recently, but uh, our friends over at the Canadian Geeks, they also have a internet radio thing going on as well. So what does that involve? How does that work? Honestly, it's just like a regular terrestrial radio station, except for, you know, we're not bound by the FCC rules. We're bound by rules of the Digital Millennium Copyright Act. For the most part, it's an anything goes thing. But Internet radio has been around long enough that people have gotten over the, hey, I can drop the F-bomb on the air every other word. Is it a hobby? Is it a money-making venture? Oh, God, no, it it's a money-losing venture. Okay. It, and no, it's it's a hobby. If yeah. any of us thought we were foolish enough to make money at podcasts we're even more foolish trying to make money on radio okay so it's just another form of podcasting but basically dealing with music because you have like live djs and stuff right right we broadcast through live 365 and you know the way that works is they give you so much space on a dashboard and you upload x number of songs and those songs just go into random rotation and you can create clock wheels and you can create playlists and such like that or if a DJ wants to go on live, they get their broadcast software, connect to the encoder, start playing, you know, start talking however they want to handle their show. And for the most part, we are, uh, this is your two hours to do your show or three hours, however long you want your show to be, with the exception of 
stay away from religion, stay away from politics, stay away from hate speech, things like that. It's pretty much anything goes. Yo, yo, yo got a gift, my friend. Yo got a gift. Oh, yeah. God bless you. You got a fucking gift. No, I don't. Yes, you do. I really oh. don't. Yes, you do. It's been great, man. I appreciate you. This has been a fun episode, Sonny. Thank you to all the work that you did on this episode. This is basically your baby. So thanks for bringing this home. And I want to thank the listeners for prompt (laughs) surveys that got back. Like I was very surprised. I came home from work the next day and I had 2030 already in my email. I'm like, what is going on? And I didn't realize that because I picked singles, pretty much everybody knew the song. So it was just like, oh, this will take me three minutes. No big deal. And then didn't have to listen to the playlist, which I guess made it easier for folks. Yeah, I would agree with that. And 11 songs, it was fairly doable. And and that's how it was with me. I threw all the songs in a Spotify playlist and just arranged them how I wanted to arrange them. And that was my ranking. So I appreciate the listeners doing that. And you know, just hook up with us on our Facebook group at the Growing Up uh, Rock Loud Minority. That's really where it's easiest to connect so you don't miss on stuff like that. I got some people's email addresses, but a lot I don't have. And with stuff like this, you can just send it to me kind of through the Facebook Messenger or Facebook group page, and I can get the ranking that way. So that's probably the best way to connect with us. All right, cool. Well, until next week, thank you, Alan Tate. Thank you, Sonny Pooney. Thank you, listeners. And we will... See y'all next week or talk to y'all next week, I guess. See ya. Later. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.